one and all. We are in Isaiah chapter 48. The onliners signing on. Last month we had all 50 states and 59 different foreign countries. Wow. Tuning in according to Sermon Audio's statistics they send out every month. I forget to mention that from month to month. It's pretty standard. We get all 50 states and at least 50 countries. Sometimes we've had as many as 70. And uh, that means there's a lot of countries where they don't speak English, but there are people who understand English and actually can understand Southern English. <laughs> wow. They hear me talk a lot of times. And I use some words and say some things that the English textbooks, I'm sure, do not teach. And English is already hard enough. It is. Uh, Gallagher, you remember him? Guy that used to smash watermelons? Comedian? Some of you might remember him, I don't know. But he had a little bit where he had this flip uh, chart type thing, and he was showing the different words that spelled the same but didn't pronounce the same. And oh, yeah, that's fine. It was, it, I, if I find that, I'll show it. It's... it's he was a pretty clean comedy comic most of the time. Read and read. Huh? Read and read. Yeah, that was one of them, I think. Two? Well, there, but there's some that are like two different words. They're spelled like comb, C-O-M-B, and then he put a, flipped the thing down in a T, and he said, so that's tome, right? No, it's tomb. Comb, with, it's yeah, spelled the yeah, same yeah. with a C, but, and there's probably a thousand examples well, of that. I used to just... Yeah, a lot of it I think is just conditioning. You gotta get conditioned to just know what's what T O M B? No, T O M E. Well he did that too, I think he can come back. And then it's so it's comb, C O M E, right? No, it's comb. So that's the I'll show it to you sometime. Yeah. That'd be me. Thank you. All right. Hi Johnny. I wanted to mention something you're talking about, translating English. Well, just understanding it, but yes. It just, it, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I was, it just reminded me of the whole them trying to translate, you know, go back to the Greek to yeah. translate the Bible. And just I had that put into perspective a bit because Dad gave me this book on the Canterbury Tales, mm -hmm. where it's in, I think they said it's in either Old English or like maybe the next one. Mm -hmm. And just, they have a section in it where they start talking about all the, the obstacles to translating it and also making it poetic and all that. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and that's just, and that's just another, an earlier form of English that's not even Greek. It's probably Elizabethan. And then they'll say, well, King James isn't even in modern English, it's in Elizabethan. And actually, all you have to do is compare that Canterbury Tales or anything in that era to the King James, and you'll see it's not. Uh, if the King James were truly Elizabethan, we wouldn't be able to understand it. Uh, you want the door so, open or closed? Yeah, Darren, you can close those doors if you like. So we're in Isaiah 48, 12. Brother John left off at verse 11 last week. And uh, something I pointed out in our Wednesday study, we're in Micah, that 
Isaiah and Micah have a lot of parallels, not quoting each other per se, but just parallels. And in this chapter, it's very similar to what we've been studying in Micah 1 and 2. Um, and we started verses 1 through 8, where God is countering the hypocrisy and wickedness of Judah and uh, then declaring that prophecy is all the proof they need of his plan, his sovereign plan, that he is the omnipotent, omniscient, sovereign God. Then, beginning verse 9 through 11, he clarified that he will uh, deliver Israel as far as a remnant and will restore Israel, which we are seeing uh, today, and that's what the whole battle over in the Middle East is all about. Man trying to thwart God's plan. <laughs> that's really what the Middle East... All, you'll get even conservative political commentators will go into all this stuff. And... Um, we can disagree on things like uh, they're trying to pass a standalone bill to send billions of dollars over to Israel. I don't personally support that. Um, I don't believe that America should be sending billions of dollars anywhere when we've got a $34 trillion debt. Yeah. Um, Israel is in better shape financially than America. Um, but that doesn't mean we don't support Israel. That just means we're not going to go further in debt for Israel. I don't believe we should go further in debt for Christians either. I don't. I think no matter what it is, we our government should not be throwing money at people and things. But that's part of the whole bankruptcy of the system on purpose that we talked about um, in the last two current events updates. So uh, anyway, he also specified that he's not going to preserve Israel because they're wonderful. He's going to preserve them because it's his word. He said he would do it. He promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would one day, at some point, according to his time, restore Israel to the kingdom. Only this time, it'll be the Messiah on the throne, which we know to be Jesus. Um, in the Old Testament, that name, covenant name, was not yet known. And so that's why we don't support Israel, because we think Israel's a wonderful nation of uh people that are just wonderful people. Uh, we don't, we, just as America is for the most part majority of wicked Christ rejecting sinners in America, so it is in Israel. Sodom is controlling our politics and our culture in America, so it is in Israel. And, uh, but that has nothing to do with the question. The question is, do we support Israel as a nation and their right to exist? That's all, that's all we're saying. And God is then going to take care of making Israel what it potentially ought to have been in the first place, as we will see as we go through this. We're going to pick up there verse 12 and uh, read through, did I go through the, yeah, I got notes through the whole rest of the chapter, so uh, let's go ahead and read. We'll see how far we get. Um, beginning of verse 12, read the even with me. Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my call. I am he. I am the first. I also am the last. Mine hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens. When I call unto them, they stand up together. All ye assemble yourselves and hear, which among them hath declared these things. The Lord hath loved him. He will do his pleasure on Babylon, and his arm shall be on the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken. Yea, I have called him. 
I have brought him, and he shall make his way prosperous. Come ye near unto me, hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God and his Spirit hath sent me. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. Oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments. Then had thy peace been as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Thy seed also had been as the sand, and the offspring of thy bowels like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. Go ye forth of Babylon, flee ye from the Chaldeans. With a voice of singing declare ye, tell this, utter it even to the end of the earth. Say ye, the Lord hath redeemed his servant Jacob. And they thirsted not when he led them through the deserts. He caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. He clave the rock also, and the waters gushed out. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. Amen? Amen. Amen. I've heard that last verse taken out of, ripped out of context and just preached on. You wouldn't believe some of the sermons I've heard on Isaiah 48, 22, without even mentioning the context. Um, just, that's what a lot of people will get this morning when they go to church. Just Bible verses flung on the wall and then the preacher stomps all over it. But uh, we like to read in context and actually see what God has to say. Um, uh, I'll say this before I move on on that. I would, based on my experience, if what I've experienced is what we will see um, basically surveyed at the judgment seat, is that 90% of the sermons preached have nothing to do with God's Word. Yeah. Yep. Right. 90% of the sermons I've ever heard outside of uh, the church that I've either pastored or been assistant pastor of, I've been in a couple of good churches with a couple of good preachers teaching. I, meant they, I mentored under a couple of guys that taught me well, I, I believe. <laughs> um, they... Uh, although they both ended up going off into error. <laughs> um, but uh, I also uh, listened to other sermons by other teachers who I didn't sit under locally, but they were good teachers. But as far as the churches I attended and the sermons I heard, most of the time the preacher would get up and he would take a verse and he would just fling, like I said, that's the only picture I can give you, is fling it on the wall and then just start stomping. And it, I would be, it, I'd be looking at my Bible. I'd be, what does that have to do with what God said? And it, most of the time, doesn't. So uh, that's actually a good comment for our Micah study. If you missed that on uh, chapter two, is they don't want the prophets to actually preach God's word. They just want to hear sermons that they want to hear. Um, but verse twelve, as we pick up here. Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my call. And we already discussed that God has chosen Israel based on his relationship with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not based on his relationship with individual Jews. And that's the mistake that a lot of people today are making. The 
replacement theology crowd will always appeal that way to you. I've had them say, if you knew the, the Jews I knew, you wouldn't support. Like, what's that got to do with supporting Israel? If you knew the white people I knew, you wouldn't support this country. It's a majority white country, so we just burn it down because most of the white people are stupid and ignorant. No. If you go to uh, South America, down in Argentina, most of those people are ignorant and stupid. I mean, that's how they've gotten the mess they're in that this Malay is trying to dig them out of. They've been electing socialists and wicked people. It's like America's electing wicked people. And so what do you do? That has nothing to do with the discussion about the nation itself. The form of government is really the most important thing uh, when it comes to our modern situation. But when it comes to the issue of God, His Word is the most important consideration. <laughs> and He has... Spoken, and he has said he called Israel. But look what it continues, and he identifies himself here. I am he. I am the first. I also am the last. Now you hear people, you'll hear people say this. They'll call themselves Christians, and they'll say, I just don't believe in that Old Testament God. I don't worship the Old Testament God. And I'll say, well, you're talking about Jesus. No, no, the Old Testament God isn't called Jesus. Well, listen. The name Jesus was not identified until the New Testament era. And the Gospels identify uh, him and tell us that his name was announced by an angel, Gabriel, before he was born. Uh, but it was still under the Old Testament, by the way, at that point. But right here, it says that whoever this God of the Old Testament is, he says, I am he, I am the first, I also am the last. Well, let's turn over to Revelation chapter 1. And verse 10. I believe I got the notes there yet. Verse 10 11. John is writing, and he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Read verse 11 with me. Say, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Time, time. Coach, coach is calling time here. What'd you just read? Whoever that is in Isaiah is this right here, right? And he continues. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches. And uh, we won't read the rest of that particular verse. But then go down to verse, uh, or just read from verse 12 through 18 now. Read the even with me. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. Who's that? Jesus. Clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Now stop there. That's the I that the same person said, I am the first and the last. He identifies himself as like unto the, or John's identifying as the one who is like unto the Son of Man. What did Jesus call himself? Son, Son of Man. Man. Read verse 14. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. This is why I don't believe the books that say they saw Jesus. And people say, well, Jesus came and talked to me and all that. Because they always identify any rabbit and Kenny Loggins. They don't identify this man right here, the real Jesus, he's glorified now. White hair. Eyes like fire. I love that. 
Uh, verse 15, his feet like unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace and his voice is the sound of many waters. <laughs> it's like uh, James Earl Jones with a ripple. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, verse 16, read that. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength. Now, we can cheat. We know who this is also identified with the sword coming out of his mouth. In Revelation 19, he's called the Word of God. What's John 1, 1 say? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Was God. So you just all you have to do is identify all these Identifying characteristics and marks of Jesus, who also by this way said, I and my father are one. Before Abraham was, I am. He made all these identifying statements of his own deity. But then we see it plainly laid out in scripture. Verse 17, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not. What? Read that. I am the first and the last. You can't miss it if you care. See, a lot of people don't care about the truth. A lot of people have this idea of what's right, and they've got it in their head that God is God, and Jesus is God's Son. Therefore, in their pea brain, they haven't figured out that that means Jesus was made by God the Father, and He's a created being. And we're going to see in a moment that's refuted in this passage as well, in, in Isaiah 48. But he says in verse 18, read that. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. Who was alive, died, and rose again? Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> well, he, he died to die, he rose to die again, see? <laughs> Jesus rose never to die again. So that's who this passage is talking about. And he identifies himself as the first and the last. Now I'll go back to uh, Isaiah 48, 12. And you see, I am he. I am the first. I also am the last. The Old Testament God is Jesus. Now, uh, we're going to come back to this in a minute. Uh, the Old Testament isn't totally silent on the fact that there are three in one. Now, there's an old saying. That which is in the old concealed is in the new revealed. But being concealed doesn't mean it's not there. And with the New Testament revelation, we have better vision. And we go back to the Old Testament, we'll see. Uh, just a couple of examples at the event of creation. God said, let us create man. At the Tower of Babel, let us go down. So there's all these Old Testament Trinitarian uh, statements. But of course, the Old Testament, they didn't really make sense of it because it wasn't totally revealed as it is in the New Testament. Now, um, uh, by the way, if you want to look it up in Revelation 2.8 and Revelation 22.13, Jesus calls himself the first and the last as well. So total of uh, four times, if you want to count what we just read as one, a uh, total of three times, uh, that you see Jesus identifying himself as the Alpha, or the first and the last, and then there's a, other another connection with the Alpha and the Omega, but we, could, we won't go into that. Yes, Jamie? You said 2A, and what was the other one? 2213. So then verse 13 in our text, back in Isaiah 48, if he's the first and the last, that means he's the creator, right? Amen. And that's what he says, verse 13. Mine hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens, when I call unto them, they stand up together. The whole creation stands at attention. <laughs> Isn't that great? 
Go over to John 1. I already, I already quoted verse 1. But John 1, 1, which we quoted, is followed by verses 2 through 4 that identify the Word, who is Jesus, as Creator. John 1, verse uh, 2 says, The same was in the beginning with God. Well, what's in the beginning in Genesis 1, 1? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That you piece those together and you got it. Jesus was with the Father in creation. And if you want to see the Spirit, then go to verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. There's the Trinity right there in Genesis 1, 1, and 2. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? But go back to John 1. I just left off verse 2. Read 3 and 4 with me. All things were made by Him. Who? Jesus. All right, start over. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. One of the main debates in science classes today, and what they're spending more money on any other subject in science right now. Life. Where did it come from? Is it out there? Can we find it on Mars? Can we... Scan the skies both visually and audibly, finding a sign of life out there. Not yet, not so far. And they can't even find water. There's only one life out that way. It's God. God. And why can't they see Him? The Bible says He's covered Himself in darkness. Mm -hmm. What do they see when they look out there? Darkness. darkness. The Bible has already predicted that. <laughs> and all these. Billions and billions of dollars they spend is just confirming what the Bible says. Darkness. That's all you're going to see into it. Unless you're saved and you go across that crystal sea into his presence. But uh, look at Colossians 1. Colossians. <coughs> I've confused people before by uh, speaking in Earth. Hooked on phonics, phonetics. And I, one time I kept telling people to turn to Galatians. Why? <laughs> Galatians, but I was saying Galatians. Because of that English thing we were talking about just a minute ago. Uh, look at verses 12 through 17. I'll start at verse 12. Give thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. That's us. Verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So who's the topic here? Jesus, Jesus his dear son. Is that son capitalized and spelled with an O? Mm -hmm. Then that's Jesus. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Unless you have an NIV or other new version, they take out the reference to his blood. From those corrupt new Bibles. Verse 15. Talking about Jesus now. Read verses 15 through 17 with me. Who is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created. That are in heaven and that are in earth. Visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Sometimes I've shared John 1, 1 through 4 with cult members and apostates who deny 
Jesus did it and all that. And I say, it says he made everything. That doesn't mean he created it. Turn with me now to Colossians 1. Where in one verse it twice says all things were created by him. Amen. Can't miss it by the son. Can't miss it. And then it, I've had people say, well, God created Jesus and then Jesus created everything else. Wait a minute. Verse 17 says he is before all things. That means there wasn't anything created before he created. Therefore, he can't be created. Don't we love this Colossians? Don't we love this book? Yes. <laughs> I love that. Did you follow that? Yeah. There's nothing created before Jesus created. Therefore, he can't be created. Or he wouldn't be a part of that before all things. He'd be one of the things that came after before all things. You mean he was before the cosmic P? Yes. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was nothing, and it exploded. <laughs> Let's go to one more before we leave this, because it's just so fun. Hebrews, written by the Apostle Paul. No matter what your college professor tells you, my Bible says the Epistle of Paul, the Apostle to the Hebrews, and I believe that. Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. Identifying Jesus, it says in verse 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Read 2 and 3 with me. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Glory, hallelujah. <laughs> you can't miss it unless you want to. Amen? Amen. Oh, okay. Just, uh, can you just bring the pot upstairs and we can share it here, by the way? Uh, back to our text in Isaiah then. I mean, it is so clear this is Jesus. And verse 14, all ye assemble yourselves in here, which among them hath declared these things. Which among who? Which among all the gods? Only one, Jesus. Now the Father is the authority who ordains all things, and the Spirit is the active agent who performs these things. That's how the Trinity works. But none is uh, better than the other, but in a sense of a hierarchy, Jesus said the Father is greater than I. Is it true they don't act independently? No, there's no independence in the Trinity. I and my Father are one. First John 5, 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. There's just always that unity. It's very important. Well, verse 15, it says, I, even I have spoken, yea, I have called him. Maybe that's why he's called the Word. I have spoken. I have brought him, and he shall make his way prosperous. Wait a minute, who's him? Wait a minute, that's confusing here. No, it isn't. It's only confusing because we had a, a week or two or three weeks between talking about all these things in the previous context. We have to keep the context in mind. He's talking about Cyrus. He's still talking about Cyrus, who's going to come and take care of Babylon, because Babylon took care of Judah, the kingdom of Judah, and took them captivity, but they went too far. And God was upset with them. So he was going to take care now of Babylon. What's one of the things that Babylon did? They took the temple 
uh, utensils, bowls, and cups, and all that dedicated to God, and they used them in worshiping devils. That was one of the main things that set God off. But also, the way they abused a lot of the Jews taken from the kingdom of Judah. That also set God off. Um, so he basically, I just paraphrase this, saying, listen up, Jews in Babylon. Cyrus will defeat Babylon and make the way clear for you to return to Israel. That's basically the message there. Look at verses 16 and 17. Come ye near unto me. Hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God and his spirit hath sent me. And in reverse 17. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. There's your Trinity. See it there? He says, Come ye near unto me, hear this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was, there am I. That's Jesus, right? We already identified that. He says, and now the Lord God. He's talking about someone else who is a Lord God. Who is that? The Father and His Spirit. There's the Trinity. Jesus is speaking. He refers to the Father as the Lord God and His Spirit. Is the word Spirit capitalized in your text? Lord God, spelled G-O-D caps. You got the Trinity right there. And then, of course, who's, who's speaking? He says Jesus, but he puts the icing on our little cupcake here. Yeah. Look at verse 17. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. Who's the Redeemer? Jesus. There you go. That's wonderful. It's as clear as a bell once you think it through. That's why it's important. We've already shown how important it is that the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Bible. Scripture with Scripture, keeping it in context, then you compare Scripture with Scripture, but also... What we just did is line upon line, precept upon precept. <laughs> and that's what's wrong with most Christians, how they read their Bible. They don't do that. They'll go to Jeremiah, I have wonderful plans for you. You know, <laughs> Totally ignoring that he's talking about a bunch of people he took out of their land, put them in captivity, they're slaves in Babylon. But as a nation, he says, I've got wonderful plans for you. No. He says thoughts. They plans is new version. Oh well, oh, thoughts. Well, go go to the text though. It is talking about his plan. Okay, what's where is that? Twenty nine eleven. Twenty nine eleven. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is that for the nation, he's got a plan for the nation, and that is the end is the result. An expected result. Now, if you take that as your own personal life verse and your own person, you, you know, it's, but some people argue, well, it really is true because in the end, we're all going to be with Jesus in heaven. But see, not most people aren't talking about heaven. They're talking about their own bank account. They're talking about the house they live in, the car they drive, their personal physical health. They want to go now. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not in any way, shape, or form what that verse is talking about. Johnny, was you going to say something? Yeah, just um, yeah, Jenny and I, I think last week, we heard them use that verse for that. You will hear it. I mean, oh. probably more than any other verse you'll hear these days. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Something else. We've heard it in movies that aren't even really Christian movies. And then they'll make a reference to God. And we well, does say that he has wonderful thoughts and a plan for me. You know, like, why? <laughs> but you can't expect non-Christian movies to treat the Bible like that. It's really when it's Christian movies that, that it's really disappointing. But pick up there now in verse 18. <laughs> oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments. Then had thy peace been as a river and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Never forget that righteousness could have overflowed Israel from the very beginning. From the time that they entered that, well, go back to the spies that were sent into the land. Like, they're big people. We're scared. You just watched me destroy Pharaoh's army and drown them all in the Red Sea after parting it. And, and you're afraid of a bunch of tall guys? After all the plagues. After the plagues, you know, and the death of the firstborn, you know. It's just, it's madness when you're, I, I mean, I, I try not to be too judgmental because I've done plenty of stupid things in my life and been lacked faith many times in my life. But I just can't imagine being that bad. I can't imagine being that doubtful after seeing all that. I mean, I'm telling you, is what I know from God now, I'm just like, you know what? God say the word, and I'm on, I'll jump a horse or whatever and ride right behind you and take over. You know, I have no doubt. I don't know. What we can attribute that to is the fact that they weren't born again. They didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit and the word of God the way we do. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And they, they didn't have the Bible as we have it, and there's some excuses there, I guess. <laughs> But uh, look at verse 19, and he says, Thy seed also had been as the sand, and the offspring of thy bowels like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. God uses stars, gravel, sand, whatever, just to show, just innumerable. The, the, they, instead of having two billion Muslims on the planet, we would have had two billion Jews on the planet if they had followed God's word, done what it's supposed to do. They would have been prosperous. It would have been a... Whole different history. But that's not what happened. Now, look what he says really interesting here in verse 20. Go ye forth of Babylon, flee ye from the Chaldeans. With a voice of singing declare ye, tell this, utter it even to the end of the earth, say ye, what? The Lord hath redeemed his servant Jacob. He never leaves you without an out. Even when it's self-inflicted, God provides an out. Of course, all of our sin is self-inflicted. And what's he do? He says, come to me. I'll forgive you. Amen. If you're an unsaved man or woman, come to me. I'll forgive you. And I'll make you my child. I'll adopt you. Put my spirit in you. Your name will be in the Lamb's Book of Life. And on and on and on and on. As a Christian, you sin. If you won't repent, he'll chastise you just like a good father does. But he'll never totally throw you off. You don't lose your salvation. He deals with you as a child. And there's always an out. If you confess, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1 9. But uh, they wouldn't, so he couldn't. <laughs> God will not bless us in sin. God will not bless us as we walk in sin. I always say, or my mom always said, God won't bless disobedience. God won't bless disobedience. That's right. 
I mean, because are you going to bless disobedience to your children? If you're a good parent, you don't. Yes. Too many parents these days do, but that's another story. Verse 21, and they thirsted not when he led them through the desert. He's appealing to their knowledge of what happened when they came out of Egypt. He caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. He clave the rock also, and the waters gushed out. Um, but uh, this promise, you know, is still future for these people in Babel. They're getting ready to, getting ready to be taken into Babylon. All this is being said all before it even happens. Of course, then, a lot of these promises still haven't happened because we're looking for that return when Jesus isn't rejected by his people, but they'll look upon him whom they pierced. And they'll mourn because of their history of unbelief and because of having rejected their Messiah, they're just now seeing him for who he is. And, That's why they'll mourn. And uh, it's really, the older I get, the more I try, I understand how important water is. Yes. And he's talking about water here, but he's also referencing that type of um, the rock being smitten. It's all there. Yeah. But water, I mean, you cannot, because he could have referred to a lot of other things. Yeah. But he referred to the fact that they didn't thirst and that the rock was clay. Jesus said, you drink of this water, living you'll never water. thirst. Living water, you'll never thirst again. He's talking about himself. And of course, because we're saved, we receive his spirit and from us then can flow if we will allow him to work through us, living water. From us. Not of us, but from us because of the spirit in us. Whose spirit? Spirit of Christ. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And uh, then it, he, it's just funny because he's like, he said all this, and now he's going to put his uh, last statement before his signature here in verse 22. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. That's the wrap Now, first of all, understand who he's talking to here. He's talking about the wicked of Judah, yeah. first and foremost. But he's also talking about the wicked of Babylon. Amen. And he's going to take care of them. But it is a general message. <laughs> I mean, see, if, if a, one of these old fundamentalist preachers would take that verse and first give people the context and the sense of it, and then they want to tear off for 20 minutes or whatever and preach against women in slacks and women cutting their hair and all that kind of stuff that they do. That'd be different. It'd still be wrong, but it'd be different. You should understand the context of what God's... Uh, speaking of when he says there is no peace saith the Lord unto the wicked and uh, I know before I was saved that's the one main thing I lacked peace that's why I have a lung disease a great contributing factor was what I sought to give me peace was something that destroyed my lungs and it's now been legalized in the state of Ohio so you can destroy lungs all over the state marijuana It'll give you a few minutes, maybe an hour or two, where you feel kind of, uh, you know. But for the most part, it doesn't give you that, any kind of real peace. You got to keep going back. You got to keep smoking it. You got to keep, you know, paying for, it. paying for it. People have to keep putting up with you while you're on it. Um, and, well, they, they do as long as you're around them. And a lot of times, the only thing you can do there is put a wall, put some separation. Um, 
other people seek it in other things. And it's not always drugs and sex. You know, a lot of people are seeking it in being totally uh, engulfed by their occupation, mm -hmm. hobby, sports. Television. television, sports. I, talk, I was just telling her this. I, they're guys I know I grew up with. Their whole life is they sleep, go to work, and the rest of their waking moments is all about sports. Yeah. And you got 24-7 sports talk and 24-7 TV sports. And, and it's, they don't, it's not winter, spring, summer, and fall. It's football, basketball, baseball. And that's the only real three seasons of people I grew up around have. But a lot of people add soccer in there or whatever, uh -huh. hockey, you know. And it's just nonstop sports is their whole life. Yeah. They, they have the, now they, there's so many people addicted to these uh, games. They're yeah. sports games. Yeah. And then there's that whole other thing. Going rumble and they've got dozens <laughs> of channels with and the gambler, hundreds of thousands the gambler, of viewers. The gambler, and they gambling everything. So you can't fill it up with anything. But it, just it, it also, politics. Yeah. I mean, I can strike up a conversation with just about any conservative in the country about politics. And as soon as I start talking about Jesus or the Bible, okay, well, it's time to go. Yeah. Yeah. They're all about politics. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, You'll be my last one. Yeah. In 1983, uh, that was part of my lifestyle. Even as a Christian, I would, I would go to church you know, three times a week. Well, I spent the rest of the time uh, with sports, you know, the baseball, hockey, basketball, yeah. all the stuff. And uh, 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 I don't know how to say this other than I was challenged by the Lord to give it up, and He would put me to work. Mm -hmm. I've been busy ever since. Yeah. I gave it up. I gave it all up. I don't miss and, it at all either. Now, this, I just want to be careful to not sound like we're being dishonest or hypocritical. It's not that we don't watch a game. Correct. But it's like very little of our spare time during the week. It's just like I'm watching a movie. I'll put on the game, and they, they're lasting about two to three hours now. They've cut them down to four hours, from four hours to two and a half to three now. Yeah. And then it's over. The rest of my week, I'm not all about, you know, football, football, you know. People are way out of it. And there's nothing wrong, you know, how's the weather? How about them Buckeyes? You're trying to make conversation here. What's exactly. sad is, after a couple of minutes of that, by the way, uh, could I pray for you? Is there anything you need prayer about? Or, uh, yeah. hey, how's things in your life? How are things, you know, anything you want to talk about? We, or just start talking about the Bible or Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the sad thing. Too many Christians, that's the way they are. Well, let's close it up and uh, we'll have some more time in the Word later. And uh, just ask the Lord's blessing on the uh, service upcoming. Sean, would you close in prayer? Sure. Dear God, for this day and the word that you have and uh, that we're able to get together and understand together what your word says to us. And we thank you for this little place for us all to be and uh, let the whole world uh, have the opportunity to come to know you too. Amen. Amen. All right.
Jenny, would you hit the button for? All right, we'll see you in a few minutes. Oh.